by singing together just the hymn in our wee hymn sheet is 284 and our hymn book is a great hymn of testimony. It's one of those hymns that was written during the 1859 revival. Uh, no one knows who wrote it but this was the hymn that was sung often and was found uh, during that time and says whenever we meet you always say what's the news? Pray what's the order of the day? What's the news? Why I've got good news to tell. My Saviour hath done all things well and hath triumphed over death and hell. Uh, that's the news. And praise God tonight when we're saved, we can truly say rejoicing in our hearts that the Lord hath done all things well for us. And my, the best is yet to be uh, for the child of God. So we'll just keep our seats while we sing as our sister would lead us in the organ, uh, please. our hearts and our souls around his word tonight 
and around the throne of grace and prayer. Our gracious God, our loving, eternal Father in heaven, we do rejoice afresh, O God, this night in thy goodness and grace and love toward us, even in salvation. Father, we thank thee for the great message of the gospel tonight, that God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And Father, we thank thee tonight for each one in this gathering who can rejoice in the saving grace and in the keeping power of our God. We thank thee, O God, even for the theme of this hymn of which we've been singing tonight, the good news of the gospel, and that through Christ our sins have all been pardoned, have been cast into the sea of thy forgetfulness, never to be remembered against us any more. We thank thee that through Christ our Redeemer we are those who possess a, a, a great hope, a great hope of everlasting life, of eternal life, eternal glory, when we shall see Christ and when we shall be like Christ and be with the redeemed of God throughout all the countless ages of eternity to come. We thank thee, O God, for grace here on earth, grace to serve thee, grace to live for thee. And we thank thee, O God, for all the way thou hast led us, for all that thou hast done for us as the people of God. And we rejoice afresh tonight just in thy goodness and in thy love and in thy grace. And we thank thee, O God, that thy grace is ever sufficient for our every need. And, O God, as we come afresh before thee this night, where prayer is, O God, that thou would bless our coming together. We realize, O God, that without the blessing of God, our meeting would be in vain. We realize, O God, that we cannot depend upon past blessings. Lord, we do need thee afresh tonight, O God, And Father, we ask for the outpouring of the Spirit of God with power upon us this evening. We pray, O God, that Thou will cleanse our hearts afresh in the Savior's precious blood. Create within us that clean heart. Renew within us, Lord, that right spirit. And Lord, prepare our hearts this night to meet with Thee, and that we might have that portion, that good portion, like Mary of old, who sat at the feet of her Savior and who heard His word. We thank you, O God, tonight that the Word of God is truth, that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Lord, bless thy Word to our hearts, to our souls tonight. Give us grace to hear the Word of God, not only to hear it, but Lord, give us grace to, to live out thy Word in our lives day by day. And bless us around the throne of grace and prayer. We rejoice, O God, tonight that thou hast bidden us to come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And Father, we thank Thee tonight that there's always a welcome for us at the place of prayer. Lord, Thy Word tells us, brethren, having therefore boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, we thank Thee through the blood of Christ, the blood of the Lamb, that we can approach unto Thee in prayer tonight, none daring to make us afraid. Bless all who have been able to come this evening Bless every household and family that is represented. Thou dost know our different needs and cares and problems and burdens. And Lord, we thank Thee that Thou art the one that can lift the burden. Thou art the one that can help us in our time of need. And O God, our prayer is that Thou will do every soul much good tonight. Bless every household and family. Do unite all our family circles in the Lord, O God, we ask. And again, Lord, we're mindful of those that cannot come tonight because of age or sickness or infirmity. 
those that will maybe be tending the bed of sickness, those that are shielding. Lord, meet their needs, we pray. Bless every family and household, Lord, connected with this congregation. And Father, our prayer is that even in this autumn season, that each one of us, in our homes and in our families and in our family circles, will know the movings of God, that we'll know the stirrings of God in our hearts and in our souls. And that even, Lord, we might see a gracious reviving again, even in the midst of the years. We thank Thee for the children's meeting tonight, night in Tresden, and all the boys and girls who heard Your Word. Lord, bless that seed that was sown, and Lord, may it be a living seed in these young lives, we pray, unto eternal life and unto godliness in Christ. Bless the meetings throughout the week in Maguire's Bridge and Lisbell Hall, here on Friday night as well. Remember our brother Colin as well and his outreach for thee, Lord, bless him, and those that labor with them also in the gospel at this time, and encourage them greatly in the Lord. Bless our land tonight, and bless gospel missions and meetings on at this time, ministry meetings, prayer meetings such as this, wherever thy word is faithfully sounded forth. Lord, own it and bless it, we pray, and that, Lord, there would be a turning in the hearts of many. Lord, we live in an ungodly day, yet, Lord, we thank thee that there's no day too dark for the Lord, that it is always darkest before the dawn. And, Lord, we pray that thou will come and turn the hearts of many unto the Lord. Do us good now, we pray, and close us in, Lord, with yourself. May this place tonight be a Bethel to our souls. For we ask all these things for Jesus' sake and glory, giving thee thanks. Amen. Amen. Now, we're going to turn tonight, please, in God's Word to the New Testament book of Philippians, Philippians <coughs> chapter number 4. I want to read some verses with you, just from verse 1 of the chapter, uh, going down just to the end of verse number 9. We welcome everyone tonight in the Lord's great name. It's good to see you all have been able to gather. Prayers the Lord will bless you and encourage you afresh around God's Word, around the throne of grace and prayer. Remember the meetings over the weekend, Friday night, 6.30, the children's meeting here, new fellowship meeting at 8 o'clock. I do remember the open-air witness at 11 o'clock in the Diamond on Saturday, and then a skill and pray for that. And then the services here in the Lord's Day, Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Bible class and Sunday school, morning worship, 12 noon, evening gospel service at 7, and God willing, we'll be along to bring the word of the Lord. Philippians chapter 4, and the verse number one. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech you, Odeus, and beseech Satintha, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. 
Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Amen. We'll end our reading there at verse 9. And may the Lord bless this reading of his eternal and infallible word to all our hearts. The little text of scripture I want us just to think about. Uh, the Lord has laid upon my heart for the meeting tonight. Or just the, the final words there of verse number 5 of Philippians chapter 4. It simply says, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. In this chapter, Paul the Apostle is addressing God's people and the church at Philippi. In the opening part here of chapter 4, he gives to them a number of exhortations. In verse 1, you see there that he says they were to stand fast in the Lord. They were to be steadfast in the things of God. In verse 2, he speaks to two women in particular in that church to be reconciled to each other. He says, I beseech Eudius and Satinthe uh, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And then in verse 3, he, we see there how he exhorts a a brother in the Lord, we're not told his name, but he exhorts this brother to assist those women that had been a help and encouragement and to Paul in the gospel. He says, I entreat thee also through yoke, to help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with all our my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. And then following on from that, he gives these believers a number of specific commands for their life. Look at verse 4. He says, they were to rejoice in the Lord. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He says there at the beginning of verse number 5 how their life was to be marked by restraint. He says, let your moderation be known unto all men. In verse 6, you see there that he instructs them how they were to give themselves to prayer. He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, uh, let your requests be made known unto God. And then in verses 8 and 9, he, he tells them to do that which was honest and just and pure and of good report uh, before others and indeed before God. He says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall uh, be with you. But you will notice there that it's immediately after that command for moderation and for restraint of the Christian life in verse 5 that we find the words of our text. When he says, the Lord is at hand and with these words, he was encouraging, yes, them as believers to live a life of moderation and restraint and not to be, as it were, live a life that is uncontrolled or, if you like, uh, not to live a life that is ruled by the, the passions and the ways of this world and, and the ways of men. And to encourage that restraint, he says there, the Lord is at hand. Yes, that exhortation there, those words was given really to promote and to, to motivate self-restraint amongst these believers here in the church at Philippi. And just as these words were an encouragement to the believers in Paul's day in the church at Philippi, so they are also an encouragement to God's people today. Yes, I believe in particular there's three reasons why this is so, and that's what we're going to look at tonight, those reasons why these little words, this little text 
I believe is a great encouragement to God's people today. First of all, we can say these words here, the Lord is at hand. They remind the Christian that the Lord's coming is near. Yes, with these words, the Lord is at hand. Paul here was reminding the Philippian believers that the Christ was coming back again. He reminded them of this very truth earlier on in this epistle. Look at chapter 3, verse number 20. He says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also, he says, we look for the Savior. He was looking for the coming of the Lord. He says, we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the interesting thing about Paul's life and ministry was this. He was a man who was continually looking for the coming again of Christ. He was a man in all his ministry and all his writings who continually set this truth before the people of God that the Lord Jesus Christ was coming back again in power and in great glory. You remember what he said to the people of Athens and Mars Hill? Speaking to them about God in Acts 17 verse 31, he says of God, He hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he offered in, Rough you have given, unto, given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. And there in those words, uh, Paul was, was warning the people of Athens. He was telling them that, that Christ was coming back again, that there's a day of judgment, a day of, uh, of recompense. And he reminded them of this great truth, that, that Christ was coming again in power and great glory as the judge of all the earth. You turn over also to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and the final uh, verses of that chapter, words I'm sure that are very familiar to us all. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 15 to 18, he says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, he says, unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words." There again, you see, as Paul writes that letter to the church at Festonica, he was reminding the believers there that Christ was coming back again. He says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. This was to be a great solace, a great comfort and encouragement to their soul. And wherever Paul was, whatever it was the situation, he never lost sight of this fact. He never lost sight of the great hope that that Christ the Savior was coming back again, that, that Christ the Savior was going to return to this earth in power and in glory. And you know, just as these words here reminded the Christians at Philippi of Christ's sure and certain return when Paul said in our text, the Lord is at hand. So I believe those same words also remind you and I also of this very same great truth. Yes, the glorious hope of the church. What is that glorious hope of the church? It is the sure, the certain return of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And child of God, wherever you are in life, wherever the providence of God casts you, whatever your circumstance and situation might be, remember this great hope tonight. 
that the Lord is at hand. That your Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, who died for you upon the cross, who rose again, who has ascended up into heaven, who has ascended up into glory, he himself is, is coming back again. This is one of the great fundamental truths of, of the Christian faith. We have it set before us throughout the Scriptures, Old and New Testament alike. You think of what is said there in Revelation 22, verse number 20, right at the very end of the Scriptures. John says of the Lord, He which testifieth of these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The Lord says, Surely I come quickly. Hemwriter says the crowning day is coming when the Lord shall come in power and in glory from on high. James tells us that the coming of the Lord it draweth nigh. And child of God, you and I tonight are nearer the return of Christ than we've ever been before. That's a fact. That's a certainty. And my one of the great signs of his coming that is given to us in the scriptures is the is the increasing ungodliness of the world and our age and that increasing falling away from the things of God. That's one of the signs of the, the times prior to the return of Christ. Turn with me back to, or turn with me over to First Timothy chapter number four and you'll see this for yourself. First Timothy chapter four and the verse number one. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. It speaks of a departure from the faith, a departure from the things of God, the, the testimony of God's word is truth. That's what we see today, very much to the fore. Turn again over to Second Timothy chapter 3, just on over again a few pages from that uh, first reading in First Timothy, Second Timothy chapter 3. And look again at the opening verses here. It says, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, Incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good traitors, heedy, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than, than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. That's the mark of the day and age in which we live, which we find ourselves in. This is an age when people are without natural affection. This is an age when people are lovers of pleasure, more than, than lovers of God. That's the mark of the times. What's it all telling us? It's but the fulfillment of the Scriptures that our Lord Jesus Christ is coming back again, coming in power and in great glory. Brethren and sisters in Christ this evening, let us ever keep the hope of Christ's return before us. Let us be those who, who pray for us. What, what a day that will be when Christ comes. Yes, it will be a day when evil shall no more trouble God's people. Evil will never again trouble the people of God whenever Christ returns. It will be a day when evil will never again raise its ugly head against God. The 
Bible would show us that on that day every wrong, yes, that we have suffered as God's people for the cause of Christ shall be righted. It will be a day when God's people will be gathered into glory, when Satan, death, and hell and sin will be vanquished forever. What a day, what a jubilation day, what a coronation day for the people of God and for the church of Christ. Yes, these words of the Lord is at hand remind us of the, the coming of the Lord, that the Lord's coming is near. But then in the second place, these words, the Lord is at hand. I believe they also remind the Christian of the Lord's presence in their life, of the presence of the Lord with them and the presence of the Lord in their life. Yes, with these words, the Lord is at hand. Paul here was, was reminding these believers also in Philippi of the Lord's nearer presence with them. The very fact that the Lord was with them. The very fact that their hearts and their souls were indwelt by God, the Holy Spirit. And again, that this was a, a truth that, that Paul himself never lost sight of in his Christian life, even in all his trials uh, and difficulties and, and tribulations. You remember what he said to Timothy, it spoke of those who had forsaken him, and the things of God, and how he was really left alone. Yet this is what he says. He says to Timothy, Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. He knew the, the presence of the Lord with him, round about him when others had left him and had forsaken him. And this was a truth that he was constantly teaching God's people. This was a truth that he was constantly preaching to the different churches that he, that he wrote to and that he, that he visited in his missionary endeavors and his missionary journeys. You remember what he said to the believers in the church at Colossae in Colossians 1 verse 27, he says to them, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And there he was reminding them that the Lord was with them by his Spirit, that the Spirit of God dwelt amongst them and in their hearts and that the Lord had not forsaken them or cast them off. The Lord was with them. And again, remember what he said to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. He says, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? And there again he was reminding the church at Corinth. And if you know anything about the church at Corinth, it was a church that had many problems and difficulties. Yet there again, Paul was reminding them of the presence of the Lord with them and, and amongst them as the people of God. Likewise, brethren and sisters in Christ, we too must remember this great truth that the Lord is at hand. In other words, we must never lose sight of the fact that whatever our circumstances are in life, Whatever our trials might be or our difficulties might be, wherever we are called to serve the Lord and, and the providence of God would cast us, let us never lose sight of this promise that the Lord is with us, that the Lord has not forsaken us, that he is with his people and he cannot cast them off. You remember the words of Christ to his disciples before he was taken up into heaven? Matthew 28, verse number 20 says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. What a promise. Right to the very end of the age, the Lord is with his people. And it's said of David Livingstone that whenever he first set sail for Africa as a missionary, there were friends of his, and no doubt they were well-meaning. 
But they were very concerned about his his safety, and because of that, they urged him not to go. They didn't want him to leave and, and to go to Africa as a missionary. And what was his response to that? Well, his response to that was those very same words of Christ in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. And he, and he read this in particular to, to one man who, who was seeking to hinder him from going to Africa. And he read these words of Christ to him. He says, of Christ, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Then he turned and he said, that, my friend, is the word of a gentleman. Let us be going. I'd encourage David Livingstone to go on to Africa and to spend there and be spent there for the sake of the gospel and the Lord Jesus Christ. Brethren and sisters in Christ, in every detail of our Christian life and service, remember this, that the Lord has promised to be with us. And can God break his promise? No. When God gives a promise, does he lie? The answer is no. He keeps his promises. He has, promises, he has promised to be with us, to, to comfort us, to help us, to, to guide us, uh, to strengthen us, to, to encourage us. That's the Lord's promise, and he cannot fail. I was reading this morning in First Kings where it says, not one word of the Lord has failed, and no word of God will ever fail, no promise of the Lord will ever fail or come to naught. Turning your Bible back to Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41 and the verse number 10. And look at this great promise. Believer, this is a promise from the Lord to you tonight as a Christian in this meeting. The Lord says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. The great I am of heaven, the great I am of eternity, the almighty God, El Shaddai, who said, I am with you, the covenant-keeping God of Israel. Yes, these words remind us that the Lord is coming back again. These words remind us, yes, of the the Lord's nearer presence with his people and round about his people. But one final thought here regarding this little text, the Lord is at hand. These words, yes, they encourage the Christian to live a godly life. When Paul spoke these words, the Lord is at hand here, he was reminding the Philippians of Christ's presence, of the Lord's coming, and there was an aim in it all. It was to to promote a godly testimony amongst them as the people of God. And you see that in connection with what he says at the beginning of the verse. They're all linked together. He says, let your moderation be known unto all men. And then he says, the Lord is at hand. It was to encourage them to live a godly life and testimony before others in the world. Child of God, the same responsibility applies to you and I also. Light of Christ, sure return. Light of the fact that the Lord is with us, we too are to live a godly life. We're to bear a good testimony in this present evil world. Turn with me over to Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter number three, and look at what Peter says there in, in verse number eleven and verse number fourteen. He's just been speaking about the coming of the Lord, and it's all linked together. Verse eleven and verse fourteen of Second Peter chapter three. He says. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be 
in all holy conversation and ungodliness. Verse 14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent, that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. And there he was encouraging the Christians to live a godly life, a good testimony, in light of the fact that Christ was coming back again. This is how we are to live as Christians as well as we await the sure and the certain return of our Savior. Again, you think of Joseph. When he was down in Egypt, he was tempted to to sin and to do that which is wrong, and he refused. And he said, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against the Lord? But what was the restraining factor upon his life? I believe it was this. He knew the Lord was with him. For you read continually about Joseph, even when he was down in Egypt, it says the Lord was with him. The Lord was near him. He knew the Lord's presence, and it had a restraining influence upon his life. Again, think of the three Hebrew children down in captivity in Babylon. The the command was given for them to bow down to the idol of of Nebuchadnezzar and get involved in that false, idolatrous form of worship, but they said no. What did they say in that? And, And saying no, they said, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. They knew in the witness of God in their hearts, that the Lord was with them. Brethren and sisters in Christ, as we think of these words in this little text, the Lord is at hand. Yes, the Lord is coming. The Lord is near. May it be an encouragement to us all in our life, in the home, in the family, in school, workplace, wherever we are in life, to live and bear that good testimony for the glory and honor of Christ because the Lord is at hand. May the Lord bless his word and these truths to our hearts and to our souls uh, this evening. We'll just get down to our time of prayer. just want to leave some prayer requests with you. Do remember, please, our brother, the Reverend Cook, former minister of the church here, is ill in hospital at this time. So do pray for him that the Lord would touch him and raise him up. Do remember also uh, Mr. Ian Beacom, uh, he's coming on well, still in hospital. Uh, quite a long way to go as far as recovery, but has made good improvement. So just pray for him. The Lord will touch him, and that even soon in the will of the Lord, he'll be able to get home. Uh, Mr. John Knox, as many of you I'm sure know, is in the hospital as well. Uh, do pray for him. I was talking to his wife tonight, and things have improved, and God willing, he may be getting out of hospital tomorrow. So just remember him in your prayers. And others connected with us that are ill, family members, those that we've been praying for, uh, just bring them before the Lord and 